Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. What's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Michael Beller here with you on a Tuesday. It is Tuesday, November 2nd. Week 8 behind us. Week 9 in front of us. And that's what we're going to talk about on this episode of the pod. Obviously, if you've been with us uh, all season, you know that Tuesday is Beat Writer Day. Joining us on this episode to talk through all the pertinent fantasy issues going on with their teams. And we start off in Philadelphia. Zach Berman, Eagles Beat Writer, joining us here on the Fantasy Football Pod. Zach, thanks for being with us. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. This is a team that uh, we want to dig into because of some of the changes we have seen in the backfield. We know a couple weeks ago, Miles Sanders goes down with the injury. Going into week eight, New Boston Scott was going to have a larger role. Not exactly sure what that was going to mean for Kenny Gainwell. Jordan Howard gets elevated to the active roster, and we saw it play out in that 44-6 win over the Lions. Boston Scott, 12 carries, 60 yards, two touchdowns. Jordan Howard, 12 carries, 57 yards, and a couple of touchdowns. Gainwell, basically persona non grata. How should we be thinking about this backfield without Miles Sanders for the time being? I was surprised by that rotation. I I thought uh, you would see more of Gainwell. He had a costly fumble in that Raiders game the week before. It seemed the Eagles got away from him. They wanted to ride the hot hand. That was Nick Sirianni's explanation. And I think what you've seen from from Boston Scott, not just on, on Sunday, but throughout the past two seasons, is is that he can be a solid replacement. You know, you, you might not want him as your top running back, but he he does a good job of taking the yards that are there. And I think that's what the Eagles were seeking in the running game. They have an inviting matchup this week against the, the Chargers, the, the league's worst run defense. So I would expect to see more of Scott. I do think they they like Howard in that complimentary role. So you'll continue seeing Jordan Howard. And Gainwell is is still the big wild card because I, I can't see them totally dismissing him. They really like the way he catches the ball out of the backfield. They had high expectations for him going into this year. I don't think that fumble completely gets him out of the rotation, but I would think that he would be third among those backs like you saw on Sunday. And potentially another good week for anyone who was able to scoop up Boston Scott off waivers a couple of weeks ago, plop him right into fantasy starting lineups for sure. Um, this is something that like, it feels silly to have to bring this up, but it's something that's been sort of bubbling around the fringes of the uh, fantasy football community. So I'm just going to ask it to you. Uh, is there any reason to worry about Jalen Hurts being this team starter for the remainder of the season? Well, the remainder of the season is an interesting way of framing it. In the short term, absolutely no. It's it's, it's going to be Jalen Hurts in the short term. Uh, if the season goes south and you know they're they're out of playoff contention in those last three weeks or so, I wouldn't rule that out, especially if the offense continues to look inconsistent. But for fantasy purposes, right for the remainder of the fantasy regular season. And, and extending into the playoffs, I, I'd say you can be confident that as long as Jalen Hurts is healthy, he'll be the starter. But the Eagles offense has been too inconsistent to categorically say Jalen Hurts is the starter the rest of the year. So uh, I would never say never with, with Minshew as the backup, 
But for the time being, I would definitely say Hurts is the starter. It's a very interesting, you know, I, I laugh it off and I dismiss it, but it's an interesting discussion in the fantasy world because you mentioned, right? I mean, this has been an inconsistent offense. It's just, that's just is what it is. But Jalen Hurts is the number six fantasy quarterback because of what he does with his legs. So exactly. you, don't, you don't, you don't typically talk about a guy who's the number six fantasy quarterback potentially being benched just because Jalen Hurts is doing it in a way that we really haven't seen even from Lamar Jackson in his MVP season. It's just a totally different uh, formula for Jalen Hurts. So it's something that is definitely floating out there. And obviously, if that were to come to pass the last few weeks of the season, you could have people who ride him into the playoffs and then suddenly are looking at Gardner Minshew as this team's starter. Uh, another guy who uh, has taken on a big role in the team's offense over the last couple of weeks is Dallas Goddard. Ever since that Zach Ertz trade, we've gotten to see the Goddard that we want to see. 12 targets. He's caught nine of them for 142 yards. He's won, run 51 routes in the two games. Without Zach Ertz, obviously, the 44-6 blowout of the Lions curbed things a little bit, but still had seven targets in that game. Is this the expected pace for Goddard the remainder of the season? Yes, and, and frankly, I, I think you'll see more of it, right? I, I think uh, he's he's 1A in this offense with Devontae Smith, and the, the, the way it was when Ertz was here in those first few weeks, it wasn't good for Goddard, it wasn't good for Ertz, it probably wasn't even good for the Eagles, right? They were trying mm-hmm. to play both of them, they didn't want to play 12 personnel, so it was like split playing time at tight end. This is very much Dallas Goddard's job. Uh, the Eagles are all in on Goddard. They want to sign him to a big contract extension. They want him to be the player that they want him to be one of the best tight ends in the NFL, which which they think he, he can become. So I would expect this production only to go up as the season continues. Yeah, this is going to be someone who is a fixture of fantasy lineups for sure. And we're really already seeing that over the the first two games without Zach Gertz. And he's right in that next group of guys. Obviously, we're not quite putting him in that top tier, but he's in that next tier of guys already. And I think we expect him to live there for the remainder of the season. We've talked a little bit about consistency or the lack thereof. You mentioned Devontae Smith. What does like what does consistency look like for him? the rest of the season. We can't expect him to suddenly be this top 10 fantasy in real life receiver, but what is just a good consistent second half of the season look like in statistical form for Devontae Smith? Well, the second half is going to be better than the first half. Uh, I would expect more volume. Number one, I, I, I think it, this is partly on, on Smith. He's, he's, he's had a few drops. You saw a drop the other day uh, on the first play of the game against the Lions, but when you watch the film, he is getting open on a consistent basis. I think when the Eagles put their game plan together, it's going to start with number six. They 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 want to feed him the ball. I would expect more volume going forward. I, I, I think what has surprised me in the first half of the season is the lack of overall volume for him. And so I would expect a higher target share, and I'd expect him to catch uh, more of those targets. Definitely could make him a little bit of a buy-low candidate in fantasy leagues. More volume, plus the fact that he has been inconsistent to this point of the season. Maybe uh, go check out Devontae Smith as a potential trade target. Got one more question here for you, Zach. You mentioned the Week 9 matchup. It is against the suddenly reeling Los Angeles Chargers, losers of two straight games. It is a very bad run defense. We've seen multiple teams take advantage of them on the ground this season. What are your early expectations for this matchup? The Eagles offense philosophically in those first few weeks did not want to run the ball um, or they did, they did not totally commit to uh, running the ball. I, I know you can't put too much stock into what you see against the Lions, but I, I do think the Eagles saw a formula that works when Jalen Hurts is your quarterback. I would expect them to continue running the ball, not as 
much as they did against the Lions, but not totally abandoned it. It, it won't look like it did in some of those earlier games this season. Um, so I, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I, I would, it's, it's gambling with these, these running backs. You don't know if it's going to be Boston Scott. You don't know if they're going to get Gainwell more involved. But I think if, if you can have, uh, Hertz as a runner this week, if you can get the right running back, whether it's Scott, whether it's Gainwell, whether it's Howard, um, they are going to run the ball this weekend. I, I, I would expect that. Going to be an interesting game for sure. Chargers looking for a bounce back and fantasy managers looking for maybe another nice game out of Dallas Goddard, another one out of Boston Scott, and of course Jalen Hurts, that fixture so long as he remains the starting quarterback in Philly. At Zach Berman, our uh, Eagles beat writer here at The Athletic. You can check him out on Twitter, at ZBerman. Also, you probably don't need me to tell you this, Eagles fans, but just in case you do, great Eagles podcast, Birds with Friends with Zach Bowolf and Shield Kapadia. Uh, definitely want to check that out. Zach Thanks so much for being with us on the Fantasy Football Pod. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. All right, continuing right along here on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, we now move on to the Colts and Zach Kiefer, our Colts beat writer here at the Athletic. Zach, thanks for being with us on the Fantasy Football Pod. Thanks for having me. Uh, let's talk about uh, a couple of guys right off the bat here with the Colts team that uh, I, I want to say you and I uh, jumped into these guys back in the summer when we checked in with this team before training camp and talked about the potential uh, big breakouts for both of these guys, and we are seeing it right before our eyes. Let's start first with the wide receiver, Michael Pittman. Uh, it's been clear to see. It's been fun to see. It's been great to see uh, what's just been working for Michael Pittman, and do we should we expect this sort of pace of production to keep up for him over the second half of the season? If I told you to buy Michael Pittman in the summer, then I'm a smart man. I think I did. <laughs> I think did. I saw you this did. coming. A you lot did. of us around here did. <laughs> he got, he, this guy was pissed off during training camp, and he played like it. And you could see this season coming. And, yeah, he's the guy. Because they don't have any other options, really. T.Y. Hilton is going to be out this week against the Jets with a concussion. They really haven't had anybody step up in that 2-3-4 role. Paris Campbell's out probably for the year. It's Pittman or bust. And we're seeing Carson Wentz go to him. You know, a little bit too much if you watch the end of the game against the Titans the other day. But look, it's going to be Pittman or bust. They're going to go heavy to number 11. He's their deep threat. He's their intermediate threat. He's their third down threat. He's the entire pass catching unit right now, really. So if you've got Pittman, you're a happy fantasy owner. Yeah, you definitely are, and yeah, we've just like we've seen it. We've seen it week after week now, and it's been uh, really fun actually to to watch him blossom into this type of go-to receiver uh, over the first half of this season. The other guy that we talked about was Jonathan Taylor, and obviously we saw something of a Jonathan Taylor breakout over the second half of last season, but this year it was going to be more of a season-long establishing himself as one of the elite running backs in the league. That too is something that we have seen. He's now had what five straight games with more than a hundred yards from scrimmage. Uh, what's been working for him recently? And uh, also, should we expect this pace of production to keep up for him over the second half? 
I think his pace of production increases. And I know that sounds crazy, but you got to look at things in Tennessee with Derrick Henry going down for the next several weeks, if not eight, nine, ten. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor could be your rushing champ by the end of the year. I don't think that's a crazy thought. They're going to increase the production with him because they're going to increase the involvement. A lot of people around here are, frankly, angry that he isn't involved more. <laughs> this is a guy that got 16 carries on Sunday against Tennessee. Ideally, you get him 20-25 as well as he's running. He's, he's really improved in the pass-catching game. If you watched him on Monday Night Football against the Ravens, you saw him take that screen pass 70 yards. He busted one the next week, 83 yards, which is a franchise record, longest run an Indianapolis Colts running back has ever made. They're going to keep involving him every way they can, pass game, run game. He's the engine behind the offense, and you don't want to do too much with Carson Wentz, which means you're going to see a lot more 28. I can't believe that Edge or Marshall Falk never had a longer pass play than that. Yeah, run play. And and we thought the same oh, thing. We thought the same thing. Yeah. There's been some good – I mean, Eric Dickerson, right? There's been some good running backs <laughs> in this uniform. But Taylor um, – and now he has the, the biggest rushing game ever, too, by a Colts running back. 254 last year, week mm-hmm. 17. So he's chipping away at those records. And he really is. And we were just debating this in the media room. He's the best running back they've had since Edger and James. Yeah, it's uh, been quite the uh, quite the guy for them to get, and uh, crazy. Looking back on that draft, how many running backs went ahead of him? You think the Chiefs maybe want to have that back? If they're going to take a running back, maybe take JT instead of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, very nice for the Colts that he fell right into their laps there. Carson Wentz, uh, we've uh, we've seen a little bit of up and down from him this season. It was a bit of a slow start. Had a, a little of a what we can call a peak, at least for weeks one through eight, against the Ravens and Texans in terms of efficiency. And then over these last two weeks, a win over San Fran, a loss to the Titans, but still the efficiency uh, really came cratering down. Uh, what's been with the roller coaster efficiency for Carson Wentz this season? What's the plan to maybe get things a little bit more consistent over the second half? Yeah, I mean you're getting the you're getting the Carson Wentz experience, right? Mm. You're getting some some really really impressive plays, and a lot of people have overlooked the first two touchdown passes he threw to Michael Pittman in the first quarter on Sunday. Those were terrific side angle arm throws. The boneheadedness comes in late, though, the fourth quarter, right? That's what the Colts fans are, are just going crazy about is how dumb those decisions were. The left-handed interception in his own end zone and then the one in overtime where he just forced it into triple coverage. So you get the good, you get the bad. That's Carson Wentz, right? If they want him to be more efficient, I think it goes back to what I said a minute ago. You need more 28. You need to simplify the game plan. On the last interception, if you watch the tape, 28 was open in the middle of the field. He would have had 30 yards of open space. That's the hardest thing to swallow for Colts fans today. And I think Carson is just going to have to settle in and stop trying to play hero ball. I think that's what got him in trouble last year in Philadelphia. He's such a talented athletic quarterback. He tries to make the Superman play. Sometimes he does, and that's great. A lot of times it leads him into disaster. And that's what you saw, and that's what cost him Sunday against the Titans. This team has turned into one of the narrowest usage trees that we look at in the fantasy world. It's Jonathan Taylor, it's Michael Pittman, and that's really it that Carson Wentz uh, is able to use in this offense. Is there a sleeperish sort of player for the second half of the season on this offense that we could go grab? And no is a perfectly okay answer here, but just wondering if there's anyone lurking beneath the surface that could maybe break out and be something of a guy in the fantasy world. Yeah, if Morelli Cox is available, he's a name I'd throw out. He's the tight end they like to feature in the red zone. He's the big-bodied guy that's a really tough mismatch for a lot of defenses. He's not going to score for you every week, but I do think he's a big part of this offense, and they like using him. The problem is T.Y. Hilton's been hurt. Paris Campbell's been hurt. Like I said, 
there's just not a lot of options. You could go Naheem Hines. He's the backup running back. But there are games when he has four carries for 15 yards, and, and he's not going to score you any points in fantasy. So that's the risk you're willing to take. This is really a two-headed monster right now as I see it. That's not necessarily a good thing for the Colts, but it is if you own Michael Pittman or JT in fantasy. Yeah, very good thing for Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor, managers. Uh, Colts turn it around quickly in Week 9, Thursday night against the Jets. What are your early expectations for that matchup? Well, there's a lot of people that are angry they didn't use Jonathan Taylor more Sunday against the Titans. I expect they live and die with him Thursday night against the Jets. I don't want to say it's a must win, but it's a can't lose because if you lose to the Jets on Thursday night after blowing your biggest game of the season on Sunday, it'd just be a bad look. So they need to figure this game out, and, and to do that, you just go to the you go to your best player, and that's Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, it'll be uh, certainly a fun watch. And I mean, on the other side of this game, we saw Michael Carter having a, a couple of breakout games for the Jets uh, uh, over the last couple of weeks. So maybe a little bit of dueling running back with Michael Carter on one side, Jonathan Taylor on the other. That is Zach Kiefer, Colts beat writer here at The Athletic. You can get him on Twitter at Z Kiefer. And also, Colts fans, you probably already know this, but uh, be sure to check out 1% Better, our Colts podcast at The Athletic. Zach, thanks again for being with us on the Fantasy Football Pod. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll wrap up this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast by opening up the mailbag with Brandon Funston. Funston, we've got uh, some trade questions, some waiver questions, some rest-of-season ranking questions, so uh, really running the gamut here. Yeah, it sounds like another week in the life of uh, fantasy football 2021. Uh, yeah. But let's, yeah, let's let's dive in. We're right at the mid, midway point, kind of a key point in the season. It's, you know, you, you precious few weeks left to establish your position for the playoffs mm-hmm. so lots of uh, lots of important moves to be made definitely let's uh, jump in here we've got some questions coming to us on twitter some in our email and of course if you want to get in on this next week our email address tafantasysports at gmail.com the first question we're going to take from twitter it comes to us from thomas w and thomas asks is michael carter worth a start in week nine the answer to that is very obviously yes, Thomas. So we'll take it a step farther. Uh, Funston, is Michael Carter just like a default starter on teams where you have him now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look at 23 targets in two weeks. That don't lie. That kind of volume does not lie. Uh, th- three touchdowns in the last four weeks, double-digit carries in each of those weeks. Um, yeah, that's, you know, that's close to as much as you can ask for from a running back these days, you know, and yeah, never mind that it's on a tough environment jets, but you know, they've shown a little signs of life here and there. And especially last week beating the Bengals. So uh, I think you got to run with this. Uh, no pun intended, but uh, yeah, I, we loved Michael. I know I did. I, I mm-hmm. know Jake liked him and, you know, always compared him to Austin Eckler. I wasn't sure that I felt like that was a, a, a pure kind of like based on the skill set and the way they look kind of a, a perfect comparison but he's been very Eckler like the last couple of weeks I I just think he's a he's a really good player and expected that the cream to rise to the top in this backfield and it certainly has yeah I echo everything Funston said and then I'll just throw on the uh, other really the cherry on top here is that this is basically what we expected we were if you re- rewind to the summer we were talking about Michael Carter's rookie year looking something like Miles Sanders' rookie year where he has to deal with the veterans in the backfield for the early part of the season but as the season goes on week by week maybe his role gets a little larger a little larger a little larger and by the time we get to about the second half of the season he is not alone in the backfield but very clearly the go-to guy and that's what's happened so not only has he been playing well but he's been playing well along a trajectory that was not hard to predict 
back in the summer. And so that really makes this a slam dunk. Obviously, if you have Michael Carter on your team, there's a chance you got him as like your fourth running back or something like that. So if you are one of the few people who has been very lucky at this running back position, you don't have a ton of injuries here and you have Michael Carter, maybe in that situation, you're thinking about, do I start him? Do I not start him uh, week in and week out? But I think for 99 out of 100 Michael Carter managers, he's just someone who lives in your starting lineup. You don't even think about clicking him out. So definitely worth a start in week nine, Thomas, and in every single week beyond that as well. Let's get to the waiver wire. We've got, uh, yeah, we've got two waiver wire questions. So we'll take those two next. The first one comes to us in our email inbox. This one from Robbie R. And Robbie is taking a look at that Titans backfield without Derrick Henry, wants to know, Funston, if we are prioritizing Adrian Peterson or Jeremy McNichols? Probably Adrian Peterson, uh, but we don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we could be completely duped into, you know, the Titans thinking that Adrian Peterson is just a straight backup to Jeremy McNichols. But my educated guess in, in from the fact that, you know, Jeremy McNichols is hardly – got a ball uh, pushed into his belly this season. Now, A, that's because Derrick Henry, but mm-hmm. I think B, also because they just see him like the J.D. McKissick pure passing down back in this backfield. Now, it'll be interesting if they bring Adrian Peterson in and give him, like, say, 12 carries a week and want to give Jeremy McNichols six, seven, eight carries a week yep. and plus the passing down work, in which case you could make an argument that McNich- McNichols might end up being the more power or, you know, the more valuable yep. running back. But if I'm just – if I'm just taking it right now at straight odds, I would I would lean towards Adrian Peterson, knowing that it could very well be very close in the end. So I agree with everything you said, and most importantly being, we don't really know how they're going to handle this. So instead of adding on some analysis of my own, let me follow up with another question. Uh, if you uh, so were prioritizing AP, but are you putting in claims for both of them, or are you ignoring McNichols? Or for that matter, are you ignoring both of them and saying, I don't even want to deal with the headache of this backfield? I don't, you know, it's a little bit different than, I guess, um, like Philadelphia is a great example. Everybody's like, oh, it's Gainwell's time, you know, blah, blah, blah. And what ends up happening is, uh, A, it wasn't a good backfield to begin with, but then B, you got Jordan Howard and Boston Scott moving into Miles Sanders' role, and Kenneth Gainwell was basically non-existent, you know, at this mm-hmm. point. So I think that we have a team that has a good offensive line, has a good rushing history, obviously Derrick Henry being a kid, the major component to that, but there's two guys there. And um, I'd probably, if I'm interested in, in Peterson, I'm going to be interested in McNichols because that means I have a need that, you know, is so far so deep that I'm, you know, really hoping to get Adrian Peterson to help that out. In which case I would put in a contingency bid for McNichols, you know, and, and hope that I ended up with one of them right now, mm-hmm being I'm going to go with the best guess on Adrian Peterson. And let me just also say that Funston and I are recording this at 1 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. So we still have three hours until the trade deadline. This could all get blown up if uh, if the Titans right. go out and make a trade. That's unlikely after the Adrian Peterson signing. I think that likely uh, you know precludes them from going out and making a trade. But just something to keep in mind uh, if you're listening to this after the deadline and the Titans have surprised us and gone out and made a trade. The other question about waivers for Week 9 comes to us from Stan R. And Stan asks, how seriously... Should we be taking Derek Gore on the waiver wire this week? Well, I, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about CEH coming back, and it's relatively soon. I, I feel like we're probably at a point where, you know, we're a, a week away, and and we'll see, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire by week ten. Um, and at that point, I don't know that 
Gore is going to have a, a spot. Daryl Williams was used in the passing game there. Uh, I think between Williams and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, we're going to see Gore maybe fade back into the woodwork uh, at the point that Edwards-Hilaire returns. So if you, you know, if you're less bullish about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire returning, you know, in a short period of time, then I guess you could get a little bit more serious. But right now, I'd prioritize him behind Adrian Peterson, behind Jeremy McNichols. I would not only do that, Funston, but I'm guessing that most people don't have someone on their roster who is worth getting rid of for Derek Gore. Yeah, that's right? a great like, point. You want, like, first thing I do when I go and do waivers is I go and I look at my roster first, and, and I determine, all right, how many guys am I comfortable cutting here? Right. And then I go and look and see who's available in each league, and I'm going to go to my teams, and I don't think I'm going to see anyone, and I play in some deep leagues, and I don't think I'm going to really see anyone who I feel like, yeah, I'll, I'll cut this guy for Gore. I, I think you're totally right. CEH is going to be back soon, and even if CEH, or even if Daryl Williams has played himself into a split with CEH or even more of a split than we had before CEH went out with his injury, it's not going to be a backfield that supports three. And no backfield supports three guys. And so it's going to be CEH and Daryl Williams as the top two. Derek Gore, it was a nice performance for him against the Giants. Probably not going to make much of an impact in the fantasy world for the rest of the season. Our next couple of questions here, Funston, we've got one trade question and one rest of season ranking question. Uh, let's go to the trade question. This one also into our email inbox, tafantasysports at gmail.com. This is from Rachel P. Rachel asks, uh, thoughts on a Dallas Goddard for Melvin Gordon trade? Uh, my thought is is that the person uh, you know, trading Melvin Gordon Melvin Gordon isn't getting a high enough premium for the running back position. Now, Melvin Gordon hasn't been a world beater this year, but he's a top 15 fantasy running back, has five touchdowns. Uh, you know, his role is sort of predictable. You know, he's going to get kind of mid-teens touches right now. And I'm the captain. I, I drive the bandwagon for Dallas Goddard. I love Dallas Goddard. You know I do. But I'm here to tell you right now, Dan Arnold and, and Pat Fryermuth are sitting out there in a lot of waiver <laughs> wires. Mm-hmm. And and how much better is Dallas Goddard going to be than potentially than those two guys? Like, I love Dallas Goddard. I think he's a he's a slam dunk tight end one. But to get a slam dunk RB2 for that, I don't think it's it's fair value right now. I think the running back you can demand more more from right now on the open market. I mean, we just see how people are going for these backups like crazy because the running back positions in such upheaval once you get past the top 20 or so. Yeah, this is another one where we're in agreement. I, I think this is like literally fair, right? Like if we put this sure, into yeah. the, like the ESPN, like NBA trade machine, like that wouldn't, it wouldn't get rejected. Um, but I, I agree with you that you need to put a little bit more of a premium on what running backs mean to us in the fantasy football world. We did have, you know, Zach Berman was on earlier. I know you missed that uh, fun. You you can hear it when you're actually listening to the podcast later, but I talked to Zach Berman a little earlier and that is going to be on this same show. And uh, he's expecting not only uh, Dallas Goddard to play at the pace he's played at since the Zachers uh, trade, nine catches, 12 targets, 142 yards, but for that pace to pick up. But even if that ends up being the case, it still doesn't quite get us to the Melvin Gordon top 20 running back sort of level. And so that's really where I'd be looking for something else. Uh, I think uh, Melvin, uh, Rachel, if you are, don't know which side of this she's on, but uh, if you are on the giving up Melvin Gordon side of this, you try to get a little bit more. Understand why you would want Goddard back. Try to get a little bit more though in return. If you were on the getting Melvin Gordon side of this, then thumbs up, go ahead and make that deal right now. One more question for us, Twitter. It come or Twitter. <laughs> one more question for us, Funston. You are a person, not some uh, uh, you know uh, total just entity out there that is like sort of rooting the world. Uh, one more thank question. You, thank you for that, Funston. <laughs> yeah, it is uh, comes to us from Twitter. 
Uh, Christian on Twitter asks us, where are you ranking Terry McLaurin for the rest of the season? Well, I, I, I always say that you are, you know, a lot of times when you're in midseason and your situation isn't going to change, you kind of are what you are. He's wide receiver 17, and we've seen this tug of war between talent and environment. You know, mm-hmm. Taylor Heineke, I think we're seeing, you know, the, his true colors. He's not a great quarterback. He's probably best served as a backup NFL quarterback. We're probably not going to get Ryan Fitzpatrick back for a few weeks still. So you're going to you're getting, you know, the the talent side of Terry McLaurin is allowing for him to have these, you know, games where he, you know, will go over 100 yards, get a touchdown, but then you were also seeing the downside of the environment that he's in in some games where he's getting 20, 30 yards and giving you nothing. I think, you know, at this point you got to look at him as kind of a wide receiver, mid wide receiver too. And when Ryan Fitzpatrick gets back, you can start thinking about him again more as that as that basically back end wide receiver one range but uh, you know I think in where we're at with him is that you're just going to get some inconsistency because that's that's what Tyler Heineke is inconsistent yeah I think Funston you've got that exactly so I'll just give this a little bit of a different spin Uh, we're always talking about trades at this time of year and there's a continuum there's a trade continuum for every single player there's very few players who is just you know, untouchable. Almost every single player has a uh, a price where you would trade him at, and every almost every single player has a price where you would trade for him and acquire him on your team. I think the 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 point where Terry McLaurin is sitting right now is if someone's willing to treat him as a you know low end wide receiver one, I'm making that trade. If someone's wanting to tr- uh, treat him as more of a uh, wide receiver 2022 20, type, I'm trying to get McLaurin. I think he lives in between those two extremes. So if uh, there's a trade that's treating him as in between those two, that's probably a fair trade. And then that's going to, that when it comes, comes down to, you know, what's your team need? How do you personally feel about McLaurin and the player that you would be acquiring for him? I think that's really where Terry McLaurin lives for the remainder of the season. But a good question to us uh, from Christian on Twitter, the inanimate entity that's sort of ruining the world, not Funston. Funston's a great guy. <laughs> Funston's absolutely a great guy. That's going to do it, though. That's going to do it not only for the mailbag segment, but for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, thanks to all, everyone for sending in the questions. Again, if you want to get in on that next week, tafantasysports at gmail.com is the email address. And of course, you can always hit us up on Twitter as well. Our thanks as well to our beat writers who joined us on today's episode. Invaluable information for the fantasy football world for all of them, for Funston. And for me, I am Michael Beller. We will be back with you tomorrow on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Until then, thanks for listening, and good luck with all your waiver claims that you've got going on later today. 